Let us be attentive. The Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord has chastened me sorely. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. Only take care lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak man is destroyed, this brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's falling, I will never eat meat, lest I cause my brother to fall. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Peace be with you, the listen to the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Let us be attentive. the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep at his right hand but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me, and they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Brothers and sisters, this Sunday, in the liturgical cycle of our church, is one of those Sundays where a priest could get into a lot of trouble with the parishioners. It's called Judgment Sunday. Nobody wants to be judged. Nobody wants to hear about a judgment, right? Let's face it, especially in the last 10 or 20 years, one of the worst accusations you could throw upon someone is that he or she is judgmental, right? Yet, some of the most venerated people of our society are judges who pass exactly that, judgment. Judgment isn't something bad. Judgment does not mean condemnation. Judgment, in fact, is the use of our discernment to figure out that which is good and that which is perhaps not good. That which is useful and that which is not useful. 
And notice that I did not say that which is right and that which is wrong, because sometimes that which is right may not necessarily be useful or good. It's a difficult conversation. But as I try to actually walk us through one way to receive the message of this Sunday into our lives, I'd like you to join me in a bit of an exercise. Please close your eyes. All of you, please close your eyes. I would like you to imagine. Imagine how you want your life to be in one year from now. Now, I would like you to imagine how you would like your life to be five years from now. Now, I would like you to imagine how you would like to see your life develop ten years from now. Things are getting more difficult, aren't they? Particularly for those of us who are perhaps more advanced in age. Now, I would like you to imagine how you would want your life and your soul to be the day you die. Open your eyes, please. And if you have been able to develop an image of how you want yourself to be the day you die, put that day tomorrow. Imagine that you don't have the opportunity to live out the image that you have formed in your minds for one year from now, or five years from now, or ten, or anything at all, because tomorrow is the day that you die. If I had asked you to do that first, perhaps your image would have been different. This exercise is always difficult, because it forces us to stand face to face with death. It's not pleasant. It's not even desirable, is it? In fact, it's fearful. We are afraid of our deaths. We have been conditioned to be afraid of our deaths for two basic reasons. One, we are afraid of the unknown after we die. Yes, we're here, we're Christians, we believe in the Lord Jesus, but we don't really know. And because we don't really know, we are really afraid of it. The second reason why we're afraid of death is because we love our lives here. We really do. Even when we have struggles and suffering, we actually really cling on to life here. And it's not just because of the things we have, because sometimes people are so poor that we don't have anything to love. It's not 
because of the jobs we have, because sometimes we have to labor in jobs that we dislike. But it is most importantly that we love our lives here because we have people we love and there are people who love us. Fear of death is really a crippling experience and frankly it's become even more elucidated if I can call it so this fear has become more elucidated in the past two years one of the more recent recently glorified saints of the church of Romania the elder Cleopa of Romania used to preach and teach people about the awareness of the coming of our death <clears throat> and remembering that our death is coming to serve us as caution for choices every day when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne you remember this verse Matthew 25 31 we just heard it a moment ago at the beginning of the gospel reading and this tells us precisely that there is a judgment that there is a facing of our lives facing of what we have chosen to live as it speaks specifically the verse to the second coming of Jesus let me read to you a short passage, please. There have been so many predictions that the end of time is right around the corner, and none of it came true. The Savior said that no one knows the time, and so there's no point whatsoever in guessing or being disturbed by other people's guesses. That there will be a second coming, this we do not doubt, and neither do we doubt that it will come suddenly and unawares despite all the great signs beforehand we have only to ceaselessly wait for the Lord and prepare ourselves for the meeting without guessing about the time this paragraph was written on January 13th 1873 by Saint Theophan the Recluse a monastic of Russia a bishop of Russia in the 19th century who left us actually many many teachings truly practical for daily life this one is exactly the same he urges us that in our awareness of the second coming of Jesus Christ we are to stand ready at any time without being crippled by the fear of the arrival of that day thankfully we know how to stand ready we know what that preparedness includes one welcome the stranger two feed the hungry clothe the naked heal the sick 
visit the imprisoned. We just heard this exhortation a few moments earlier too, didn't we, in the gospel reading. All of these things are really quite easy to accomplish. It doesn't take much. And all of us actually do those things, oftentimes with great success. But if you remember my sermon from a couple of Sundays ago about prayer, whenever we do something, not just prayer, it is important that we make it real. And remember, I had a couple of words to share with you. Make it a rule, make it regular, make it an encounter, make it an awareness, and then do it with love. Because there is a temptation to do all of those things. Welcome the stranger, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. There's a great temptation to do all of those things as if it was a list with lines by which we put check marks. More than just doing those things, our preparedness requires us to cultivate love being infused in those activities. You see, when Jesus Christ came to earth in the flesh the first time, he reminded us, he came to bring us to the awareness that together with the Father and the Spirit, he created us to live forever. He created us eternal. And he created us eternal in the joy of a relationship with him. All the healing and the teaching and the comforting and the feeding that Christ did while he walked this earth in the flesh was really just bringing us back to the reality that our creation was for eternity. And in this creation, he infused love for a relationship with him because he has that type of infused love for us. So, whenever we accomplish the welcoming of strangers, the feeding of the hungry, the clothing of the naked, the visitation and healing of the sick and imprisoned with love, we literally continue the activity of Christ. So, remembering to not look at that list as simply a list with checkboxes to put marks by. We strive to cultivate in ourselves and all around us love for those activities, love for those actions of Christ, so that we become living icons and as we contemplate the return of Jesus Christ in glory as our judge, let us grow, my friends. Grow, grow especially in our love for that relationship and that work. Amen.